What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Perpetually Correct, presented by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, and I am live in the studio here with JB. JB, what's going on, man? J-Mac, another Sunday is upon us. We are blessed with more sports on the docket. Um, it, it just slowly feels like football season. It's getting hotter and hotter out. You're kind of in the dog days of summer. Um, we're just morphing into that kind of he- that headspace where you're ready to start studying some rankings and looking at teams. We are 60 days away from wow. regular season NFL football, and I I'm definitely excited. I haven't gone down the rabbit hole of doing a bunch of research yet because I'm still doing a lot of stuff on basketball, and we're going to kind of round that out for the year. I think here in just a few minutes, and uh, so that's kind of kept me like very distracted. Honestly, kind of away from baseball, too. So I'm glad to be able to dive back into baseball hardcore after the All-Star break. And then I'll be glad to, you know, really start looking at some of these football predictions. We're going to do, I think, a pre- uh, episode on the AFC, NFC, maybe college as well. So lots of cool stuff to do there. It's, it's, a, it's a fun time, man, as we start preparing for football. And football is incredibly hectic for you and I. Yeah, I mean, you got, I mean, it feels like there's no days off, which I'm fine with. Uh, you know, with the action during the week on uh, ESPN college football, you start learning about kids you've never heard of, and then you're like, "Oh my gosh, this kid's a draft pick!" And then he goes undrafted, and yeah. um, it, it's so fun to watch those mid majors. I think, I think college football's done a great job of that of kind of getting us more excited and in tune, maybe with mid majors than they did in the years past. So, um, the only issue I have is just that, like, I think we actually even talked about this the last show where you have such blow off games for most teams so early so that always kind of stinks but I mean you got to shake the rust off somehow and you've also got to I mean most of these teams are young guys just now coming on and you know you got to kind of get everybody on the same page so it it makes sense as to why they do it it's just hard to get excited about like Texas A&M playing ball state you know or whatever (laughs) oh yeah those non-conference cupcake uh, but you know with the college football playoff I think we've seen a little bit less of it yeah, just because teams understand you have to have, you know, at least you can't have those one double A teams on there anymore. You don't see Sam Houston in, you know, going into Bama as much as you used to. So it's it's certainly to your point, week one and two are a little rough goes. You don't have uh, as much of the matchups, but you still always have those, you know, big name schools who scheduled out 12 years in advance, which right. I always think is funny that we have to book these series is so far out in advance. But Hey, it gives fans something to look forward to and uh, something on the horizon. Yeah, uh, fans and their future children in some cases. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I, I well, just... son, 18 years from now, you can go see Texas A&M <laughs> play the Golden Gophers of Minnesota. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, oh, you, it, it is kind of ridiculous sometimes how far ahead you can look, to your point. It's so true. Well, congratulations. Big shout out to the U.S. women's team. Won the World Cup today. Pretty awesome, man. Yeah, congrats to them. They went ahead one nothing on a penalty kick. Uh, Alex Morgan got a lob in the box. Um, they they looked like they almost kicked her in the face, so uh, certainly something the referee thought was enough to call. And, uh, you know, they dominated the tournament, so it's uh, great to see back-to-back world champions. I think uh, the first time since Germany did it a number of years ago. So great for them, and the men's team plays tonight. Um, you know, we can't break that down, but in the Gold Cup versus Mexico, so – a lot of fun for any uh, soccer fans, and specifically U.S. soccer fans. So great to see uh, the teams shelling out here. Real quick, break down the controversy around all of this U.S. women's team thing, because 
I, so admittedly, I don't follow it. And it's not, it has nothing to do with anything. It's the exact reason I don't follow regular soccer as well is just because I don't have the capacity to, man. I wish I did, but I just don't. And I, I'm, I'm heavy into the NBA. So that's where you're able to kind of dip out a little bit and move into like soccer. And I just, I'm so far down the rabbit hole with NBA and MLB and NFL that I just don't have the capacity. So I haven't watched admittedly any of this. So what's been going on as far as like controversy wise? Because I've heard a lot of rumblings, but I really don't know what it's about. Yeah, Alex Morgan had scored a goal a couple games ago where she uh, versus England uh, in the semifinals where she signaled as she was drinking tea, uh, which okay. some took offense to, you know, the England fans did specifically. Um, some people thought she was signaling as she was smoking a joint, which it clearly was not. Awesome. So that one was a funny um, media outburst of folks who, I don't know that why that's your first thought, especially if you understand the team they're playing. Uh, you know, Pierce Morgan, kind of a famous soccer fan, uh, kind of barked out at Alex Morgan for dissing them. Alex Morgan rebuttaled in the public that, you know, men never get called out for their antics. Um, you know, the unique part of that is typically with an excessive celebration, it's followed with a fine, mm -hmm. you know, uh, of a monetary value. Um, Alex Morgan didn't receive anything of that nature. I don't think he was offensive in any way. You know, when soccer players score, there's always a celebration, whether, you know, it's kicking down a flag, doing a body slide. Um, you know, she decided she was going to sip some tea. I don't know why that's a big deal. Uh, she didn't throw the middle finger at anyone or do anything wrong. So it really seemed like more the media who wasn't involved directly in sports were building this up. But either way, it's a, a really a non-story to me. Uh, congratulations to them and it's just something I'm moving on from. I don't have any issue with it. I don't know why anyone should. But didn't they, like, why Why was the men's thing brought into it at all? And I'm not trying to, to invalidate that by any means, but, like, why was that brought up at all? Well, it's she just, was being interviewed by reporters, and I think she felt a little attacked about the action. Um, and she just certainly wanted to bring up, certainly, the double standard with the pay. You know, there is an unequal that's a pay problem. scale. Yeah, that's definitely a problem. Which is, I, I don't understand why that's not the same. Um, you know, I don't admittedly know the ins and outs of the revenue sharing of international soccer, but it's in, you know, huge around the world with women. So I don't understand why there's not that equal level. I don't know how that all works out. Um, but I believe she kind of was trying to use that more as a platform and brought into the fact, hey, we don't get equal pay. Okay. You know, you're not treating me the same way that you do if, you know, someone celebrates in soccer this way. You know, famously, I would say the most outlandish reaction in a soccer game I've seen on the international level was Luis Suarez for Uruguay, who uh, plays for club team of Barcelona uh, two World Cups ago, bit, bit the ear yeah. of uh, an opponent. He was suspended for a number of games. There was certainly uh, repercussions to his actions. And so, not that that was a goal celebration, but she's more specifically talking about the actions of men in the same sport. Okay. Um, and I do believe that they're penalized fairly, whether that's, you know, suspension of games or monetary value. So, so, from my standpoint, I don't think that there needs to be any repercussions. I don't see that she did anything wrong. But um, on a greater level, they do need to address the pay, which I think that they will. It's been a very known topic. So, hopefully, they'll get that squared away. Great for the U.S. women's to win, and ho hopefully they feel like they receive the support that they do deserve. I can I can understand why that kind of got dragged into that. I mean, it it honestly doesn't make a lot of sense, but I can understand in that 
that context where she's coming from there. And it absolutely is something that needs to be addressed. That's ridiculous. But it's one of those things where it feels like because she brought it up in that avenue and then without context, it makes it seem like you're just jumping on the coattails of an issue trying to, you know, basically piggyback off of it and trying to basically be like, oh, well, you know, that's not a big deal, but it's what about isms, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And so yeah. all I'm saying is it feel it feels like it does a disservice to the issue of pay by trying to like tag cele- like the way men celebrate versus women celebrate on the soccer field. It's like trying to tie those things together. And I feel like that that does a disservice to the argument. Yeah, so you got to pick your battles anywhere in life, especially here. You know, um, these players have a t- tremendous platform uh, to speak about issues that do need correcting. And I think a lot of folks do a good job of that. And just like all of us, we make mistakes and sometimes say things we shouldn't. Not saying that's this situation, but right. it, it's tough to always be perfect, especially when you're on a championship run day in, day, in, day out. You know, emotions are high. So, um, you know what? I applaud her for speaking up and what she believes in. If that's, you know, something she wants to take on, great. I think from my standpoint, I think all sports across the board have done a great job of, uh, you know, certainly disciplining folks, whether that's for on the field or off the field actions uh, and every sports handle it differently. But I think at a larger view, we've done a great job as a sports community of recognizing, you know, where those lines are. It also feels like we've done a decent job of becoming a little bit less sensitive about it which is not something that we can really say about just the wor- the state of the world today in general. Like, I mean, the fact that the NFL let off the gas a little bit as far as, you know, excessive celebrations or that MLB, you know, the pimping the home run thing is as much of a big deal. Like, let these guys be, or these people be themselves. And, and Alex Morgan should absolutely have that same, that same liberty. I, I think it's ridiculous that uh, <laughs> the whole, what she did is a non-issue. That's her whole point. And right, I get that. right. And I think that's more what she was getting at as a whole was this isn't anything abnormal. Why are you guys make it a big deal out of it? So, hey, congratulations to them. Good luck to the men's soccer team tonight. Uh, you know, it's exciting to always watch these tournaments and uh, see where we go. No doubt about it, man. Congratulations to them again. Ben made an awesome reaction video. Good to see. Um, all right. So we talked about it a second ago. I've had my head in the sand as far as free agency stuff. We need to real quick revisit our, our picks and what happened. And we I think we just want to run down the big stars, and then that should close out basketball for the year. Yeah, wow. I mean, certainly the one time I go to bed before 10 o'clock, I think in a long time, I wake up to a slew of uh, text tweets about Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and you know, reading the article, it, it sounds like this all really came together pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. From what I read, you know, the Clippers were on the outside looking in. It was kind of one of those, you know, you're negotiating with someone like, well, hey, if you can somehow make this work, I'm interested I'm in, in your product. Right. And, and at the 11th hour, they're like, okay, we can make that work. Oh, great. Oh, All right. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for those basically that don't know, Ball George was traded from Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, he basically was traded for seven first round picks in total those include pick swaps so it was four first round unprotected first that were in uh, 2021 22 24 and 26 and then an unprotected pick from miami number 23 
uh, or excuse me, in 2023, and then pick swaps in 23 and 25. So they got a haul. They also got Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Den- uh, Gallinari, excuse me, and also signed Kawhi Leonard to four years, $141 million, next to Paul George. A pretty out-of-left-field move, but it sounds like it did come together fast, but it sounds like Kawhi recruited the hell out of out of PG. He said that for a quiet guy, he's a hell of a recruiter, is what I saw. So. Yeah, that's what it sounds like, and uh, you have to love what the Clippers have assembled. You know, in today's NBA, there's a lot of three-point shooting going around. It's a lot of behind the arc, and when you're pairing three guys such as Patrick Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George, you know, I text you, this could be a, a tough team to shoot well behind the arc on. I mean, you, you talk about uh, people not necessarily putting the emphasis on defense that we've seen in the past. They really have. I mean, pairing those three guys together, it's fantastic. I'm sure Patrick Beverly, when he re-signed, I'm not sure if he had an inclination that this could happen, but talk about, man, just a guy who's grinded his whole career, an organization that feels like this is what they've been waiting for. I'm extremely excited to see, you know, these two L.A. teams, you know, in the Staples Center battling out. Uh, The only downside is now we have more West Coast basketball that's going to be on primetime TV late at night keeping us up. Yeah, It's going to be brutal to watch, but I'm going to watch it. (laughs) I'm going to watch it. There's a chance I'm going to try to go to L.A. for the first game between the two. I feel like I have to. That would be, you talk about a sold-out arena, just emotions high, but you know what? I, I think from a greater standpoint, one player being able to bring back balance to the NBA. That's really what Kawhi did here. Yeah. Uh, we really have removed necessarily having those three elite guys on a team. We don't have that at this moment. We have a lot of teams with two superstars and a good three, but I think we're, you know, we're in a driver's seat here for an NBA season that we haven't seen in a while, which is going to feature a lot of really darn good teams going back and forth. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of games separating maybe those top five seeds in the West and East. Yeah, I that's definitely going to restore some balance. I mean, I think the people that the teams that should be the most excited about the fact that Kawhi went West is probably the Celtics, the Sixers, and the Bucks. I mean, they've got to be the most thrilled. I can't imagine they're not. I, I think there was a lot of movement here. So we had two point six billion dollars worth of contracts signed in the first 12 hours of free agency. That is a lot of movement in the NBA, more than I've ever seen. And a lot of, I I would say there were maybe two or three kind of left field things that we didn't necessarily see coming. And let's run back through our picks real quick and just kind of, we can hit on those as we go. So we both, so I had Kawhi Leonard go into the Clippers. You had him go into the Raptors. That was basically a toss up at that point, right? Sure. When we made this, we made these picks last Sunday. So, I think either of those assumptions would have been fair. Everybody thought he was going to the Lakers, though. This will be the final yep. point on Kawhi. I don't. I never saw that happening. I and I mean, you know, like I've been saying it, and and it's not even because of the fact that I don't care for the Lakers. It's more the fact that that's a dysfunctional organization, and that stuff doesn't stop just because you traded for Anthony Davis. It doesn't stop. Right. So I, I think that was a toss up there. We had Kevin Durant. I had him with the Nets. You had him with the Warriors. Both were actually good picks. He ended up with the Nets. Four years, $142 million, next to Kyrie Irving. Yep. Pretty crazy. So that, I guess that brings us into Kyrie Irving. You, We both had him going to the Nets. So I think that was pretty much wrapped up by the time we we talked. Yep. Uh, we had Clay Thompson re-signing with the Warriors. We both did there. He did. Uh, Kimba, Celtics, signed there. Uh, so the one that we 
both had different, and we were both completely wrong, was Jimmy Butler. I had him going back to the Sixers. You had him going to the Clippers. That Both were really good takes. Miami came really out of left field, though. Yeah, great for Miami. You know, you and I have talked a little bit off air. I still think Miami's got some work to do. And I think, you know, kind of the domino from all this is where will Russell Westbrook end up? I truly think the best thing for him is to stick in Oklahoma City, stay there, you know, retire as a Thunder, be that franchise's guy. You're beloved there. You're going to stuff the stat, stat sheet. But it wouldn't shock me uh, for Miami. This is kind of what they do, find a way to get a deal done and bring him in. Um, but, yeah, Jimmy Butler, I'm excited to see him kind of have his own team. You know, it's what he always wants to do and talk about. So, hey, give it to him, see what he can do. It'll be interesting watching him work with Spolstra. That's for sure. I think there's – Pat Riley knows what he's doing in these kinds of cases. He's never really – I mean, that Miami team is never in a rebuild mode. They don't look at themselves that way. But they've been milling around for quite some time. So, uh, that was out of left field. We both had Tobias Harris going to the Knicks. Yep. That did not happen. He went back to the nope. Sixers. <laughs> we had D'Angelo. This was perhaps... Oh, I'm sorry. We had uh, Chris Middleton. I had him going back to the Bucks. You had him going back to the Bucks. He went back to yep. the Bucks. Uh, D'Angelo Russell. This was the probably one of those, those curveballs that we didn't see coming. I had him going to the Wolves. You had him going to the Lakers. Both uh, were very likely. And he went to Golden State. Sign and trade. What do you think of this? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'm not sure how that's going to work with him and Steph. Certainly, they've had to have internal talks. There's been a lot of rumors already about him being traded, which seems odd. Um, so from a standpoint of not to say I don't know, but I, I truly don't know. I, yeah. It could be a one-year one type of deal with him, and once Clay's back, they're like, all right, get the heck out of here. But um, I'm excited to see how it works out, and I think it's – it's going to be fun from just a standpoint in the West to see the Warriors actually have to give a crap about the regular season. So um, I think I think it'll be a lot of fun. So you could think about this in two different ways. So, I, I mean, I agree. And I, this is so out of left field that we don't know what was we don't really know what the plan is here. A lot of times we can look at teams and be like, OK, yeah, that makes sense. All this kind of plays out like Kristaps Porzingis. Great example. Yeah, he fits right in with for what the Mavericks need. So it makes sense. This one really didn't. But if you think about it, so it's he got his max money. He wants to be in Minnesota ultimately. Minnesota had the 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 space to add him and the way to make it happen. They didn't do it. The Warriors did. They have Clay out for basically the year. So if I'm the Warriors, I'm saying Clay will probably be back in like March, April, maybe, as we get towards the playoffs. But man, if I'm the Warriors, Clay just needs to sit. Just stay, just sit down for the whole year. Get better, come back fully charged. You just signed a max deal. And you and Steph can run this thing again. Yep. I, I don't think there's any other way to do this. Now, on top of that, you have D'Angelo Russell and Steph, who are really kind of the same player. Obviously, D'Angelo Russell isn't on that kind of caliber or anything like that, but the same type of player. So you're probably going to see a lot of Steph load management, to be honest. And that's how they're going to be able to do this and just run it out there and do whatever they can on those nights and you know, hope he learns, he can grow with Seth, Seth, Steph, he can, you know, he can really take some time to actually develop more into what he should be. He had a, an enormous step forward last year. I would anticipate him to do the same this year with Steph next to him. I can't imagine how that's a bad thing. And then, you know, if once Clay gets back the following year, then they decide, okay, do we trade this? Do we move on? What do, do we keep him? Where are we at here? What's next? All that stuff. So it's a good deal for the Warriors. It was just, they were going to give money to somebody and... 
if it wasn't going to be Kevin Durant, then they made made it happen here. So pretty pretty aggressive. And then the last one we had was Al Horford. I had him going to the Mavericks. You had him going to the Nets. He went to neither. He went to the 76ers. Shocking to me. This one was hurtful. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how those Twin Towers play together. Uh, not a lot of, sh- you know, uh, three-point shooters on that squad there in Philly. So I, I don't know how that's going to work out from a basketball standpoint. Looking at today's NBA, I'm uh, just tough to see how those guys will all work together. But uh, if there's anything about Philadelphia, it's never boring. That's for sure. It's never boring. And they're, I mean, man, that is a massive Monstars size lineup they're running out there on the court. So I don't know how that's going to go for them, but you know that I'll be cheering to turn the house down with them because I don't like anything Philly. <laughs> yep. No, I agree. I uh, agree. But yeah, man. So that's kind of the gist of NBA free agency. There were a lot of moving parts, a lot of unexpected things. Teams pretty much making decisions on where they're headed in the next few years. But overall, it was a ton of insanity. And I mean, I can't imagine what things are going to look like once we get to another free agency that's of this kind of magnitude because we've never been even close to as mu- how as, as big as this has been. So yeah, it's been crazy to keep up with. I'm glad it's kind of at rest for a little while so I can really start thinking about what rosters look like. So, um, yeah, awesome stuff, man. Well, on the MLB front, lots of stuff happening. It is almost All-Star Week. Oh, best week of the year. I've been out to the full week of it before when I was out in Arizona, you know, before the Futures game. You know, they do a lot going on just with booths and, you know, fan interaction. You know, got to meet Nomar Garcia-Para. You got a lot of photo ops and autographs. So, Highly recommend for any big MLB fan. And, you know, the first activity going on is going to be that Futures game, J-Mac. And I got to tell you, I love watching this. This is where you see guys you maybe haven't heard of um, and necessarily. And I can say, I, I know you got a couple names. The first name to me is Mackenzie Gore, starting pitcher for the Padres a couple years ago, big, tall lefty, three-plus pitches, fastball, curveball, changeup. Now, you know, people will say, and it's certainly true, his numbers are inflated playing out in the league he does play in. He's got about a 1.12 ERA in the Cali League. Uh, But this kid is absolutely a major league talent. And once you see him on display, you're just going to be wowed with what he brings. So uh, total strikeout power guy. I think if he stays with San Diego, he's going to have a wonderful career. Certainly hard to pace out a kid coming out of high school, especially pitching-wise. But, man, it looks like the Padres hit a home run, certainly uh, with him coming in. So that's one kid I would imagine pitches pretty early on. I haven't taken a look if they've released who's starting and whatnot for that. I'm Uh, I'm looking at Wander Franco for sure. Oh, Wander Franco, Tampa Bay, 18-year-old switch hitting kid. Uh, Probably at this point with the guys being called up, uh, I would say most people would have him high up there on their list. most likely sitting at number one, uh, but he just got promoted recently. This kid, uh, along with so many other folks, I mean, just an exciting talent that we're seeing coming out of Tampa. Again, I don't know where they find these kids. Um, But to build on him, a middle infielder, Royce Lewis for the Twins, you know, early draft pick, number one overall in 17. Uh, It's been a tough year for him, I I won't lie, and and that's really developed a lot of doubt in folks' mind. Uh, he's still just 20 years old, but... Where has I mean, he spent majority of his time? 
he's in high A right now. Fort Myers miracle for the Twins, longtime affiliate for them. Um, but just kind of having one of those years, and I, I don't think that's abnormal for some of these kids these age, just getting used to that full grind. Uh, but certainly the talents there, the gloves there at shortstop. I don't think that there's really any question that the talent's still there, but people are certainly a little concerned. Um, you know, after seeing last year, you know, he hit 292. I think he's in the 240 so far. But yeah, talk three- about two middle infield prospects uh, watching uh, uh, Wander Franco from Tampa and Royce Lewis from the Twins. I think a lot of people, um, and this may be what he needs, J-Mac. He may need to get on this stage, be around these guys to kind of rejuvenate them. I don't think people realize how tough a grind it is in the minors. Well, yeah, because you're in like tiny little towns in Amarillo playing the sod poodles and whatnot. I mean, it's, you're in so <laughs> like, you know, remote destinations and you don't have that kind of support. It feels so far away from the big leagues. It's 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 a mental game. And that's that's part of what makes baseball so unique, though. Right. Is just that it's such a mental game in so many different ways. It's a patience thing. It's a. You know, there's nothing that you can really do to hit 90 versus 88 other than just mechanics and form and then just keep doing it till you get there a lot of times. You know, and there's so much to be said for that in a world that's not patient anymore. You're forced to be patient in baseball. And some of these guys are really, they use these kinds of games as kind of a turning point for what they're doing in their career. And they start to see, okay, I'm actually not as far away. I'm three levels away and you can skip them. If you're, you know, if you're really making progress, I need to dig in and start. So it gives you, gives these guys a little taste of what they're headed towards, which is awesome. Yeah. And I think building on that, the American league seems to really be stacked and looking specifically at outfield, staying on a trend of the 2017 class, Joe Adele for the Angels, a kid that I'm excited to see eventually be up there with Trout. You know, maybe if Justin Upton is still around. Uh, you know, this kid was hurt in spring training, I believe. I forget exactly with what. I think it was a hamstring, which sucks because that's when these guys have an opportunity to see major league pitching. Um, but he's been crushing the ball. He's been back this month or back in June. I think he's hitting near 400 for goodness sakes at Double A. I mean, a guy I wouldn't be shocked if the Angels are out of it. Uh, come you know near the end of the year, which they will be, uh, to see him get called up, and then the White Sox continuing to just have prospect after prospect. You know, uh, with Aloy Jimenez being kind of the headliner for them, you've missed out on Lewis Robert. But uh, again, about a double A kid, probably a top ten prospect. He's just mashing the baseball for goodness sake. So. This AL lineup is going to be one you're just going to want to watch every at-bat from my stance. I just think you're seeing a lot of guys that could be up sooner than later. I like that they've gone to the American League and National League format. Yes. I'm glad that they got rid of the U.S. versus world thing because, first of all, that felt mighty confrontational Mm -hmm. Yep, for no reason whatsoever. And so I'm glad they got rid of that. I like that they have the the managers in there as like former ball players managing these young guys who do you remember who the managers are no clue I, that, I, i'd have to look at it yeah it's usually some older you know like you've seen um uh the old cardinals manager tony la Russa, you know you've seen some of these older guys come in they love doing this working with these young kids so it is fun to see that and you'll you know i think big poppy's been on some uh you know list before you, you just see these whether it's older managers or re- recently retired players, 
they come in, work with these young kids. They're able to help them, you know, kind of give them some advice because a lot of these international guys, you know, we just had last week an international signing, 16 years old, for goodness sakes. And if any of you remember back when you were that young, it's easy to make mistakes. So getting these guys to give you that guidance is absolutely huge. Um, so and just to build off, you know, on the NL side, you know, we did mention Mackenzie Gore. The other big name that I'm looking for is uh, Sixto Sanchez, who probably rings the bell if you keep up with the trade that, the yep. trades that went over on the offseason. Uh, pretty much the guy that made the JT Rilamuto trade happen with the Marlins and Phillies uh, came over. You know, he's gone up and down, certainly. Uh, you see that more with pitching when they're working on stuff, and I don't think people really understand, especially in the minors. Sometimes you're just having a kid for a straight month work on his changeup. You're not yep. worried about the results. Uh, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing. He went to a new franchise. They wanted him to work on maybe different things than the, the Phillies were. Um, and the Marlins are a team that's more than patient, I would say, with uh, talent coming up. So that's another name, Sixto Sanchez, which I love saying. It, it, just, it just rolls off. Top five name, for sure. Uh, it's uh, Dennis Martinez and Jim Tomey, by the way, managing. Oh, love that. Jim Tomey, baby. Give yeah. me some Tomey. Yeah, love that. So oh. I love that they're trying to add some pop into this because that's what it needs is a little bit of, you know, a little bit of panache, Steroids I guess. Or what? Yeah, Sorry. Well, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. Knowing baseball. Uh, I, I like that they're they're really thinking through that, though, and really starting to make this a bigger deal because to the point that I made earlier, like it's it's a big deal to some of these dudes. So make it feel as real as possible. Oh, Absolutely. And uh, just kind of wrap up, just a couple other names I think you may hear. Joey Bart for uh, the Giants catcher, you know, kind of the supposed to take over for Buster Posey. Uh, it's almost working out like, you know, a succession plan with a quarterback in the NFL. You're bringing up that kid. He's at high A, number two pick last year's draft. Uh, got a lot of power. Uh, pretty good receiving catcher. Kid out of Georgia Tech. They were certainly, you know, heavily involved in the World Series playoffs there for college. So, Probably a name you may have heard if you've kept up with it, but I think it will probably be a storyline that they talk about over the weekend. Uh, and just lastly, a name that you've already seen this year, Carter Keyboom out of the Nationals, who's come up with injuries to Trey Turner and others. Uh, another kid I think should be up sooner than later. Um, and a lot of people have a lot of comparisons going on for him. I'm not sure where he ends up on that team, being that the you know Trey Turner's there, Rendon. I guess you'd have to slide into second base, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure where they see him fitting into it all, but certainly a name uh, that, and with a little bit of major league experience, which you may not see as much over this, uh, you know, All Star weekend. I'm not 100 percent sure what the Nationals are doing at all, plan wise at all, and I'm not sure that they know either. Well, they're hot right now. They're right back in it. I, I'm loving yeah. what I'm seeing out of them. It's sure. I hope they make it. I and you know I've been on the record. I'm a big Nationals goer. They got. You know, Max Scherzer, for as elite as that guy's been, God, you just want to give him one more chance to run through it because that, that guy deserves it. He's an amazing pitcher. I just don't trust organizations that fly through managers as quickly as they do, yep. that make stupid mistakes like letting Bryce Harper walk out the door. Like, that is unbelievable to me that they let that happen at all. And the fact that they offered him the same money through 2072, they should be ashamed of themselves for doing things like that. And I just, I don't trust anybody that doesn't, any organization like that that doesn't have a plan. And I don't think that it's as much that, that they've been really hot as it is that the Phillies have been really freaking bad. Well, they have been really hot. I think they're 
like winning about seventy percent of their games over the last thirty or so. But but uh, the Phillies have yeah, lost. The Phillies like have six, certainly six, struggled with their bullpen. But uh, to add on to your point, I, you know, I'm not sure the direction they go. Whether they see themselves as you know going to be buyers, they have the prospects to bring in you know additional help in the bullpen and around the diamond. Um, but certainly a, a team will be monitoring as we get closer to this deadline. They couldn't sell Bryce Harper on, on Bryce Harper last year when they knew that he was, or whenever they were starting to realize he wasn't going to be there. So like, I don't like, I don't trust incompetent organizations like that. I just don't. And I don't trust them to know when to pull the plug because they don't know if you can't continue to have the same manager year after year after year, you need to reevaluate how you make these plans. You really do. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. The manager turnover has been um, a little puzzling, especially I thought Dusty did a good job with that with that squad and players. So um, I, I'm not sure the direction they go, but I think if uh, they keep winning at this pace, they're going to force the front office's hand to try to make a run. I mean, uh, it's certainly the NL is a little bit more wide open than we expected. Um, and I think if Washington sees uh, you know an opening there, with the talent they got, they'll take even just that play-in game of the wild card when you got guys, you know, like Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin there. Uh, you might as well take a go at it. I get that. Was it Matt Williams who was there before Dusty? Yeah, I think he spent the last year there. That sounds right. Yeah, and then, well, before Davey Martinez. But he got, Matt Williams, like, got all in his own head and got paranoid and all that crap like managers can do at times. So, yeah. Also, did you know he was the third base coach of the A's? Oh wow, wow! That's uh, it's funny how former managers, you know, like Ron Washington, has been such a sought after, you know, base coach, and you know now he's with Atlanta. Uh, that every player spoke so high about him working with them, just on the finer points of the game. So I, I do love tracking careers like that. Those one and done managers realize, ah, this isn't for me. I'm not, I'm not necessarily cut out for that. But they just excel. It's kind of the same thing with football, and we see. You know, coordinators, great at coordinating, bad at head coaching. They're like, all right, put me back to the coordinator. That's where that's where I'm comfortable. But like you and I have this conversation very often about, and it's across all sports, really and truly, that it's really not that hard to put the right pieces around the right people and then leave it alone. Like you don't need to have, like as an owner, you don't need to have your hand in everything. It doesn't lead to success necessarily. Like you hire people to do what they do best. So let them do that and give them the resources that they need. And we see it time and time again where ownership just trips over themselves and makes the organization look bad. And there's nothing like uh, winning always usurps all of that stuff. But I have never once seen a dysfunctional organization. I pick on the Knicks all the time. They're a great example of this. They have a terrible owner in James Dolan. And he is in the, like, players don't go there. I mean, Iguodala said it in his book. He was actually all over different radio shows promoting it a couple weeks ago where he said, they asked him, uh, you know, do you really think that Kevin Durant is going to go to the Knicks or something to that, you know, effect? And he was like, man, ain't nobody going to the Knicks. You know, like, players know. And, like, whenever you're looking at big free agency conversations just because you like a team no matter what sport it is can throw a bag at somebody doesn't mean that they're going to competently put those pieces around you to win i mean charles barkley says all the time the worst feeling in the world is being the one superstar on a team that can't win and i and i look at the nationals as one of those organizations that maybe not quite to that extent i mean they're not the mets or anything like that they're certainly worse organizations run but i mean when you cycle through managers and you just you never like you have to keep bryce harper there 
Like you have to. I mean, do you agree? Disagree? What do you think? I mean, um, well, you know, the Nationals. It felt like that relationship was burned, um, and I think they looked at you know Victor Robles coming up. Certainly could somewhat replace that Juan Soto, who I think's just been you know fantastic. Uh, I think they looked at just the situation they had and the prospects coming up and just said, I, with the relationship burn, with the money it's going to require, we're just going to head in a different direction. Not necessarily that I'm going to agree with it, but it just felt as though they were ready to, both sides were ready to move on at that point. But look at like, but it doesn't sound like that was the case. It sounded like Bryce Harper really wanted to go back there. And that was what was always very confusing about it. And like what these owners don't get, especially in baseball, is it costs money. You can't be cheap and expect the results out of the cheapness thing. Like you can't offer a guy 300 million or, you know, three and 300 million or whatever it was until 2072 like that like that doesn't do it for guys now because there are teams that'll offer them right out of the gate and and also teams that understand that that's the price of doing business like your franchise like the fact that you re-signed Bryce Harper or look at the Phillies the fact that they signed Bryce Harper look how many more tickets they sold look how much more relevant that made them in general and that's the cost of doing business though and you're going to make all that back up and more like that's the whole point and like I don't that's why I don't understand why owners don't see that because it's it's blatantly right there just don't insult the guy pay him what he's worth because you know what the market dictates that and that's what it is the angels didn't have any problem doing that with Mike Trout no they they didn't and they got a steal i mean you you should have just handed Mike Trout a blank check and said whatever you want but whatever should, years but shouldn't it's you yours. do that for mike trout or bryce harper like that guy like th- those guys don't come around that often no like and and i i under like i'm 100 percent with you in that like you could probably replace a lot of the production with victor robles and like all the stuff that like all those guys that are coming up but ultimately like it's a marketing thing it makes your team look good it may you know like all that stuff matters like the the nationals have been more relevant since bryce harper's been in the league then I mean, well, I guess it's kind of hard to say since they moved there in two thousand what nine something like that. Uh, well, yeah, I mean nine. they haven't been in Washington for that long, but yeah, overall, I certainly get where you're coming from. And as we've seen with you know NBA free agency, there's always more layers to it than maybe we're exposed to as fans and outsiders looking in. Um, so it's just though, one dude. of those situations like- where. Uh, from an outsider's view, it makes sense to us to bring them back, but maybe there was more going on than than we knew. I don't know what it possibly could be. I mean, you and I study this stuff all the time, and it's the same. Like I said, it, it's not specific, like league specific, you know, and like it, it does depend on the league as far as like what contracts you should give out. Like I'm a pretty big believer in not giving big NFL contracts. We'll talk more about that as we get into football season because that's. Yeah, they, there, there's definitely some some points of contention with that that opinion, but I just I don't I don't think it's that hard. I really don't, and I just think that there's uh, and I know it's so easy to say that from my couch when it's not my checkbook or whatever, but it's straight up numbers, man. Like, I mean, more money you sign this guy, more money comes in. So yeah, it's the cost of doing business, and it may okay, maybe it heart, uh, hampers you a little bit from putting some stuff around you. But if you're that rich anyway, what does it really matter? I mean, come on. What are we talking about here? I don't disagree. Owners should spend the money, especially in a league with no salary cap, if it yes. makes your team better. So. It's crazy. And, I mean, look at, like I said, look at Mike Trout. He's a great example of someone who garnered the respect 
and garnered that amount of money. It's an absurd amount of money that they paid him, and they're certainly paying for the first ten, like you know, maybe ten years of that contract at best. But it's still the price of doing business. That's all it comes down to. We talk about it all the time. So anyway, um, one one other quick side note because I want to get to the All Star game and everything. Um, I was watching, so I you know I'll just have like random baseball games on from time to time, and. I, I kind of started thinking about this while I was watching the Giants-Padres game, I believe, yesterday. and uh, Or it was maybe last week. But Dodgers-Padres? Dodgers-Padres, that's right. And uh, No, but this was Giants because it was Bruce Bochy specific. So I don't remember who they were playing specifically. I had a lot going on at that point. And I had two different baseball games on at the same time as well. Um, but it just made me think about the fact that, like, didn't... Isn't Bruce Bochy supposed to be, like, in the last year of his manager deal and he like stepping down or something after this year yeah he's retiring yep why did he do that why didn't he just announce it at the end of the year i don't know it seems to be a popular thing now to kind of do this going away tour and uh you know maybe to help the organization plan you know certainly they've given him support they've had the success together um i think he probably felt out of respect and game planning for them you know maybe if there was an assistant coach they were looking at replacing him you know whatever that situation could be uh, but certainly it hasn't been as talked about as maybe most farewell tours. Maybe that's because he's a manager or because it's San Francisco and they're just having a bad year. But um, yeah, certainly it's been interesting uh, for him to announce at the beginning of the year. We typically have not seen that from the manager side. But players, yes, not the manager. That's what felt weird to me is the manager side of, of it and him doing that. So anyway, it just... It was a thought that occurred to me, and I feel like I haven't heard anybody talk about it or anything like that. And I, I mean, I guess there's nothing really to talk about, but I mean, that team is. Where do you think that team is? That's a good, great question for you. The Giants. Yeah, I don't. That that's a great question. They they've got you know their face of the franchise. Bumgarner's a free agent going into next year. Um, you know, certainly it's just they try to keep that core together from all those runs. You know, Buster Posey, Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford. Yeah, they brought in Evan Longoria. Kevin Pillar was traded for. Um, they just – it hasn't come together for them. They don't have necessarily what you would consider a loaded farm system. Uh, but they've always done more with less. So I think that's kind of the turn in the tides here with Bruce Bochy moving on. They're probably going to try to bring in maybe a younger analytical guy, see if they can you know start to turn it back. But it, they should be sellers at the deadline. they got plenty of guys starting with that first name, Bumgarner. They've got a – Pretty solid bullpen uh, that could bring in quite a haul, starting with their closer, Will Smith. Uh, you know, Mark Melanson's there that signed a few years ago with injuries. He struggled a little bit. But uh, you look at a team, if they're going, hey, let's rip this thing down and start over, uh, they certainly have enough MLB guys that I think folks would be interested in, you know, moving some prospects for. Um, so it's just one of those teams that's kind of got caught up in their own way of, Hey, we're going to do it our way, and it hasn't worked out. You know, the past couple of years. Mark Melanson is a player that I'm certainly glad the Red Sox decided to move on from. Yeah, he's just been riddled with injuries. It's unfortunate because yeah. he he did have a nice career going up to that point, and it felt like a pretty good signing and get for the Giants at the time. But it was he's got stuff, dude. He's got a hell of a heater. Yeah, at points he has. So it, well, it's unfortunate. The thing uh, is, but the injuries have they, always gotten in the way kind of to your point you know right right well uh, on the flip side just staying with that the all-star break coming yep. up j-mac the big news today christian yelich being replaced by matt chapman in the home run derby 
I don't know your thoughts on the home run derby. I think it's more just for entertainment purposes, but you know, the number one seed, big name MVP leaving, does that change anything for you? You're going to be watching. What's your thoughts? I'm a, I'm going to watch it no matter what happens, just because I always do. I always think it's awesome. I think it's cooler in the years where someone like Aaron judge and Giancarlo are competing. And I mean, you've got to, I mean, you got Vlad jr. Here. I think it may be a little bit premature on that. That might put some of his flaws on stage just a tad. And, I mean, he hasn't. He's been fine so far, but he's definitely not been the pop that the Blue Jays thought he would be right out of the gate. I don't. I didn't expect that from him. I mean, these are growing years for me with Vlad Jr. I mean, wouldn't you agree with that? Well, yeah, absolutely. But from looking at the names, I'm excited to watch. You know, Vlad, Pete Alonso, two big rookies. Uh, you know, Acuna's in there. Jock Peterson's always a, a fun name, and you know, Josh Bell, who's had a fantastic career that we talked about last week for Pittsburgh. Um, I think there's some heck heck of a lot of names that folks are watching and enjoying following. So, but what? Uh, yeah, it sucks to lose the MVP in Yelich, um, but I don't think there's going to be any luster loss. That you know, there's a video of of Vlad and reports are coming out the past two weeks that he's been doing not BP practice. He's been doing home run derby practice before yeah. the regular scheduled BP. So hell yeah, let's go. He's going to be ready. Uh, you know, there's not a, I don't think you can show a lot of flaws necessarily in the Derby uh, just because you're throwing it right down the pipe. Yeah, maybe um, that's true. And, and one, one little tidbit I'll give for our folks listening at home. Hopefully you get this in before Monday night's Derby. Vlad's having the coach that he's worked with in the minors through his whole career with Toronto throwing to him. Hell this yeah. guy's been with him at every level. He's thrown BP to Vlad his whole a quote-unquote major league career, uh, you know, he's not having his brother or, you know, random friend throw. This is a guy who knows where Vlad likes it grooved in. So uh, I think there could be a nice show going on for Vlad Jr., especially in the first round, which you typically see these younger kids uh, kind of blow it up. They don't understand, you know, it's round after round. You know, you hear the veteran guys talk about it. But I would be very excited and make sure to tune into the first round tomorrow night to watch Vlad swing the bat. My thing is, I'm excited about the the names in here. I just don't know how many people know who Ronald Acuna Jr. and Josh Bell are. That's my concern. And I mean, this is the, obviously a way to get get eyes on that. But I I appreciate them and I love those guys. But I just don't know how many if that's a household. Those are household names, you know. That's yeah. that and that's what Yelich lent to this a little bit. So that's. Definitely disappointing in that sense. I'm I'm very intrigued though to see what like so whenever you put these guys on a stage with the million dollar purse, I love that part of this. I think it's awesome that they put a million dollars as the prize instead of a stupid Chevy truck or something like that. They make this oh, worth it now. Yeah, and that's we should have mentioned that earlier. Big change. Million dollars on the line for these kids who are making the minimum. So a million bucks to, you know, like Christian Yelich, eh, not a big deal. million bucks to, you know, someone like Josh Bell at a small market who major, maybe doesn't have these major marketing deals. You know, th- this is huge. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it right now, I'm, I'm taking Vlad. Who are you taking? I'm going to go with, hmm, I wanted to take Vlad. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to say my official pick then will be Josh Bell. Josh Bell. Okay. Well, looking at that and, you know, moving on from Monday to Tuesday night, J-Mac, we got the all-star game. Um, Looking at the AL starters, not a ton of surprises. You know, Hunter Pence will be removed with injury. Um, 
you know, I, I would say the biggest shock here, well, there, there was no elected Boston Red Sox in there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the typical names, a lot of Astros, Alex Bregman, Springer, Brantley, certainly, you know, viable guys. Uh, you know, Gary Sanchez having a great year. Is there anyone, maybe not from the starters who are all listed there, uh, but on the reserve side that you're kind of shocked at? My first two are Daniel Vogelbach, who's mashing in Seattle, and Tommy LaStella for the Angels, which I got to say, in my time of watching baseball, there's probably no one that I had less confident in turning their career around and turning into somewhat of a power hitter and an all-star than Tommy LaStella. No, for sure. Like, so a lot of this is chalk, like as far as starters go. And I wasn't too surprised that nobody from the Red Sox was in there. Other than the fact that Bogarts definitely deserved to be voted in, even though he's going to play, he's had a hell of a season and Rafael Devers, not, not necessarily an all-star level season, but he's had a great season too. But it's just your guys like JT Martinez who are typically kind of in that that race they just as a team the Red Sox have not performed great so far I think they're only six games over 500 right now they're as of today nine games back of of uh, New York for the division lead and I just I don't think that any part of what's happened this year we've talked a lot about the bullpen and all that any part of what's happened this year has been as what was expected i guess and so whenever i look at like this all-star i mean most of this is so chalk that i could i couldn't even make an argument against like gary sanchez for instance right. you know like i just couldn't do it yeah you know one of the names on the pitching side for the al lucas giolito you know big time prospect um when he was coming up with the nationals part of the adam eaton trade a number of years ago um glad to see him finally figuring out he's just got some lights out stuff you know, Liam Hendricks was a late ad, you know, for Oakland. He was banged up. He's come back around. Um, you know, Mike Miner for the Rangers, certainly a great story. He's resurrected his career in Texas, probably going to be a name on the move. Um, so nice to see that. Uh, on the NL side, to your point, it's just names that you know, Cubs, D-backs, Braves, Dodgers, kids, you know, all, all the, you know, Cody Ballinger, Yelich, all those type of names that you would expect. Uh, to see there. I didn't have really too many surprises. You know, Jeff McNeil for the Mets was kind of one that was a little little weird, but he's had a great year, just not someone coming into the year that I think he, anyone would have said, yeah, Jeff McNeil will be in the all-star conversation. But, uh, you know, great great for him. You know, glad to see something going right for the for the Mets there. Um, is Cora going to roll out Verlander for sure, do we know? Uh, that's what it sounded like. He pitched yesterday – um, I believe he pitched on Saturday, so kind of line up. The MLB does have a new rule where if you pitch on Sunday, you cannot pitch in the All Star game. I think oh, that's just more. I didn't for, see that. Yeah, I think that's just more for player, you know, safety. However, you want to terminologize that. Um, but it, it's nice to see the bigger names make it than the couple guys out of left field. I, I think it's just always fun to see how these guys react. You know, certain guys like Trout, who's an eight-time All-Star, this is certainly just business as usual for him. Uh, but to see guys who've worked their whole career and get there, it's uh, it's always an emotional factor for them. So uh, very excited. Yeah, man, I agree with that. And it's it's a cool thing overall. I feel like this doesn't have the luster for me that it used to whenever it actually mattered. And that's probably right. what bothers yeah. me the most. 
there's not a there's nothing on the line anymore like there used to be home field advantage for the World Series. But I am glad they removed that. That seemed to be real arbitrary from my standpoint on why you would decide home field in a game that you know not all the players would have that ability to you know dictate. So yeah, I don't know. I so I liked it the other way. So I'm actually I feel the opposite way that you do about it. So you're kind of of the camp of like why should that game dictate anything for the playoffs. Well, but the, I mean, isn't that the incentive though? Yeah, I, I guess so. It's just tough to say, Hey, a full 162 games shouldn't decide home field advantage yet. One game full of players who, you know, what 60% of these guys will probably not even be in the playoffs. So how, how is that necessarily one game deciding that just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. That's fair. I, I guess my thing about it is, I mean, they still made an all-star team. So, I mean, these are the best people of that league. So, I mean, you're putting your best versus your best, and the only way to add good competition for it is if it means something like that. That's how I always looked at it. But I I, I guess I get what you're saying. I don't agree with it, but I, I see where the, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. So Well, j I mean, we're halfway through the year, a little bit over. Do you have any predictions that you feel comfortable with making? Maybe that's whether it's make the playoff wise or a World Series winner. Is there anyone you're wanting to go on the record at this point in the season? A couple of things here. I think the trade deadline is going to be fascinating to watch just because there's not two trade deadlines anymore. And we'll talk about whenever we get there as to why there used to be and why it never made any sense. But there's one trade deadline. Teams are going to start to look to get deals done earlier. I truly do believe it sounds that way and it's going to change the landscape as we go into like august and august is a brutal time for baseball i mean you would agree with that right yeah you're you know before you get to the roster expansion they don't have that anymore though right wait what they don't have september call-ups anymore Okay, well, yeah. I'll stand corrected. Well, I, I was just going to save you from going down that hole. But, but regard, no, so I'm with you, though. The, the trajectory has always been that August is brutal because you're not two September call-ups yet. Is that where you were going with that? Yeah, yeah. That's always kind of been, hey, let's just get there. Then we can right. rest some arms. You know, when you're down eight runs, you don't have to throw anyone important it's, type of deal. It's going to be wild to see what it does for the month of August and September now since you don't have those options anymore. And you're going to see guys that would typically get you know have some missed starts and things like that you're going to see those guys get hurt and you're going to see what how that changes the the landscape of things and that's going to be wild to watch yeah and i think it probably plays to the fact of you know you're just gonna have to carry maybe 13 pitchers instead of 12 you know at, at those points in the year that's always the biggest you know, question mark with teams, do we carry three catchers? Do we carry an extra pitcher or an extra hitter? You know, right. and certainly AL and NL have affected that. But being if you don't have those extra arms to eat up those innings, you're probably going to look at a situation where you're maybe carrying, you know, 13 down the stretch compared to 12, less days off. You know, the right. other reason it's such a dog day part of the season is all the double headers we see, you mm-hmm. know, from the makeups, from, you know, the May showers, you know, all this. You always see it. Oh, they're going to play the double header in August type of deal. You never see it made up earlier in the season. It seems to always get pushed out to the end. So, sure does. you know, miss, either you're missing an off day or you're playing double headers. It just makes it tougher and tougher. For sure. All right. A couple just general notes on, and I'll, I'll go division by division real quick of just general notes, and I'll give you a couple of predictions here. Uh, the Yankees are a lot better than I thought they'd be. 
and they're really damn good and they're deep too. So that was something, even though I knew they were going to be good, I picked them to win the AL East this year. They're really damn good. And Baltimore, exact opposite. Really bad. Didn't th- think they were going to be this bad. They are. Any Anything to add there? Yeah, I, I think uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier on the season, New York had a pretty soft schedule, which really played well to them being hurt. They found a way to uh, milk through that. Uh, Tampa's been what I thought. I thought they were a great sleeper team coming into the year. And, um, yeah, Baltimore's been Baltimore. Jeez. Yep. Minnesota's been – I dude, they had an abysmal June. They went five, almost 500 in June. They looked yeah, really good for they, the first two months. I don't know what happened in June, though. They've come crashing back down. Cleveland's only six games out. Um, some big question marks there. You know, six games not uh, – it's a lot to overcome, but it's certainly not impossible, especially if Cleveland can get healthy starting pitching-wise – their lineup with Carlos Santana is looking a lot better. I think that's going to be a race that will get close at some point. It's just going to depend on who can make more moves down the stretch. Minnesota's got the prospects. Do they feel like they're in that position to do it? We'll see. They feel a year young to me, and I've been saying that. But I, I could also see them going out and getting a Madison Bumgarner, and that helps sure things up. So, I mean, anything could happen there. They just feel a little bit young, and that's rightfully right. so. Yeah. Um, but so that yeah, and the fact that Cleveland's won not I think they went like nineteen and three or something like that in June, like something ridiculous. And or like oh in a stretch in June. So they they've definitely picked up some some ground there. Houston's been good. No real expect uh no real shock there. Texas has been a lot better than I thought they w- would be. Oakland's been worse than I thought they'd be. They've picked it up a little bit lately. They're finally eight games over five hundred now, so they're they're really starting to make some headway. Still seven and a half games out from Houston. But, yeah, I think there's a lot of surprises in this division involving Houston, Oakland, and Texas. Yeah, you know, Houston was going to run away with that. No question there. You know, Oakland and Texas both heavily involved in the wild card race. I'd imagine the Rangers at some point kind of fall off. You've got to be realistic and go, what's the best for our franchise? Let's trade away some guys and rebuild. I don't think anyone in their right mind could say, hey, this is the right spot, but It'll be interesting. O- Oakland's always a team that can go on a run. So if they can put together, you know, like a 18 out of 20 type of deal, that they could be sitting there, you know, at the top of the wild card before we know it. In a good spot, yeah. Uh, NL East, Atlanta's been taking a step forward, which it didn't feel like they were at the beginning of the year. They got off to a slow start. They've looked a lot better, though. Tuki Dusan's looked pretty good. I like this Atlanta team a lot. They're young. They're vibing. Dansby Swanson's finally doing what he was predicted to do over time. I love this Atlanta team. Philly has, I mean, we already hit on them a little bit. They have a Gabe Kapler problem that they've got to fix. Uh, yeah, so just quickly, Atlanta, we, we mentioned a few weeks ago, been disappointed to see some of their pitchers take a step back. Uh, whether, you know, Mike Fultowitzki, uh, the left-hander, number 15. Oh, my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on his name um, for them as well, taking a step back. Been a little banged up, relegated to the bullpen, but, um, bringing in Dallas Keuchel's huge is a way for them to bring in a you know a top end arm without having to trade anyone. So, I, I to your point, young team you know got great leader presence. Then with Freddie Freeman, Brian McCann, they got a lot of nice pieces. I think they'll put it together and win the division. Uh, we touched on Washington. Uh, Philly has been uh, that big question mark. It just it, we mention it all the time in every sport when you bring together. You know, all these players, these big names and free agents, sometimes it doesn't mesh in year one. So uh, I'm not really surprised by the results there. They have a Gabe Kapler problem. That's what it is. He is a terrible manager, and they've got to get him out of there immediately. 
So yeah. that they're not going to go anywhere until that's the case. And the Mets GM is throwing chairs across the room. So yeah, things seems to be going right according to plan as far as the Mets go. So that's not a big shock there. NL Central, Chicago's picked it up a little bit. Cubs, Cubbies are looking better. Cincinnati was on a pretty good tear there for a little bit, but it seems like they've leveled off just a tad. I mean, they're not an elite team by any means, but they were making some noise compared to what they have in the past. And Milwaukee's been a little bit slower, I guess, overall this year, but, you know, still right in the thick of things, a half game out. So it's going to be a dogfight yeah, there so in the Central. Interesting division. Love the Kimbrel move. Helps stabilize that. You know, if they can get Brandon Morrow back, that bullpen can suddenly go from, you know, a big question mark to a strength. Uh, Chris Bryant, you know, finally hitting back in the three hole is huge. It's where he's comfortable. That's where he likes to be. Mad needs to leave him there. Uh, Kyle Schwarber's quietly had a pretty good year, uh, power-wise at least. Um, so I like what the Cubs are doing. I think with their starting pitching, it, it, it will help them move forward. Just not big on Milwaukee. They just don't have that starting pitching. It worked for them last year. They found a way to get through it. You know, Julio Shashin had a great year, but just – you know, they, they were walking that line so thin without having elite starting guys, so I think that's caught up. But, hey, Cincinnati's four and a half games out. They're in last place. That division's wide open. So sure is. All right. So it, it's going it, to gonna be a fun race, I, I would say, overall, but I would say Chicago probably prevails there. Okay. All right. Last division. This is my biggest prediction overall. The Dodgers have been electric. This team will win the World Series. This okay. team is good. Want, do we want to go predictions real quick on sure. World Series matchup and winner? Yeah, it's going to be the Dodgers and it's going to be the Yankees and the Dodgers are going to beat the piss out of them. Interesting. So uh, my my issue with the Dodgers specifically and Houston specifically, and I know Houston has won a World Series and Dodgers have been close. They're two very big analytical teams, um, which usually translates to great success, except especially when you have the right guys, and they've done that for the past you know, five-plus years. Sometimes that doesn't always happen in the playoffs. There's Numbers can't tell you everything. Um, I, I do like this Dodger team. I, they still have the same concerns I had about them last year, though. Um, one is obviously health. You know, there's, the whole starting pitching staff seems to always get hurt. Uh, the bullpen in general to me is a, a big question mark. Joe Kelly has not been good. No. Uh, and that was I supposed have told to be you that was going to happen. Right. So that's supposed to be a stabilizing part. Um, on my side, I'm going to go with Atlanta to come out of the NL side. I really like the leadership, but also the young core that they have, and they have tons of pieces to move. So uh, it's more of a prediction. I think that they're going to be a, a big fish in the trade market and find a way to bring in a guy to help. Um, and then on the AL side, uh, I'm going to stick with what I said at the beginning of the year. I think uh, Tampa is a big sleeper there. They're still in the thick of things. It's not a popular pick. But I think once they get healthy, they do have the ability to bring someone in. I just, for whatever reason, I've had a feeling about the Rays the whole year. So I'm not going to get off the boat yet. It may not work, but I'm going to stick with them. Yeah, I don't agree with that. Look at their splits versus like teams like the Yankees and all that. That's that's where it tells a picture or points a picture. I, I think there's going to be a lot of electric electricity running through baseball in the coming months, man, that we haven't seen in a very long time. And I'm very excited for that. And I think as we approach more towards like the the CBA and everything in 2021 that they're going to have to renegotiate and players are going to, you know, be trying to trying to do what's best for them and, and make sure that they're taken care of. I think things like this matter in electric times like this, where it's really competitive and, and it's wide open matter. And those 
are the thing those are the the things that they're going to use as ammo when they're saying it doesn't matter that i i play in a quote-unquote small market anymore like i should you know I, I should get paid regardless you know and so it's going to force the hand of some of these smaller teams to jump in and put their chips in and get competitive because they need to and it's it's just going to help the landscape i think overall there are a lot of problems in major league baseball but I think this there's some things that we could solve if we start opening up the playing field. This is the first year in a long time where I don't just see it being like chalk all the way through. It, nothing, almost out. I would say almost nothing would surprise me as far as a World Series matchup, though. To be honest, at this point, yeah, I'm excited. I think you hit the nail on the head. We're gonna have it's gonna be an exciting second half in postseason. Agreed. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. We want to remind everyone to follow us on social media. That's at Sensibly Loud on Instagram and Twitter and Sensibly Loud Media on Facebook. Until then, keep jamming. We'll see you.